This episode is brought to you by Ooh, Mercury Retrograde, child. Lord have mercy. That bitch. Taking care of all your fucked up communication needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She always comes when no one invited her. Not one single person. Shit. Well, fuck you, Mercury Retrograde. Holla. Let's get this bitch started. Hold up, wait a minute. Take a load off. How you feeling? If you're looking for a place to work through it, well, you found it. No days off. We're on. It's on, it's on, it's on. It's on, it's on, it's on. And another one. On and on and on and on and on. It's on. It's on. Plow. You always do um, it. Hella shit. Well, I'm redundant and extra. <laughs> you so, always do it. Wait, you always go put the wheel. Wow. Down. Watch out. Down. I'm the little one that I'm done. Do you know where that came from? Say that one more time. Do you know where that came from? I was in like my college dorms and like in between classes i would watch like medea films <laughs> in the plays and oh, it was like man. one scene it was so fucking fun me but anyway oh. we should do like a professional intro like we like we're about something yes so welcome to another episode of no days off what's up what's up, what's up? What i'm up? excited about this one yes this is a good one this i'm is... very very excited yes. about this one. yes so, what's going on, brother? What's the tea? Oh what you been gosh. up to? What's what? been happening? I don't know. No, I don't know. I'm That's a terrible fucking answer, brother. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, no, let me get a little bit more serious now. Okay, so. But um, I've been working. I'm just going to say I've been working. Uh, I've been uh, just focusing on bigger picture things and actually enjoying the process of kind of what's going on of the process of uh, doing the work you know so Mm -hmm. to speak you know i talked about on a previous podcast that uh, for some reason i was just afraid to do the hard work because of possibly failing or succeeding in a certain way that i probably couldn't handle you know and instead of just thinking about the past the future just really enjoying the process so i've been doing a lot of work with you with no days off and the grapevine and um, it's just been a fun experience um, to be able to, f- again, I, for me, my kind of goals and purposes was to just kind of get in my groove and figure out, you know, what I'm doing, like, for real, for real, like, with life. And uh, I like that, that, you know, what I'm doing is rooted in purpose, it's rooted in helping people, you know, it's something that, you know, obviously, there's possibilities to, you know, make money, but not that's not the the that's not at the forefront. that's not that's not the forefront right. so you know knowing that you know i can find things uh that f- fill me in ways that it didn't before you know when i'm you know working you know 40 50 hours a week but then coming home feeling like a piece of shit you know what i mean so now it's like i'm doing a lot of stuff where i'm not getting paid right now you know i'm it's a lot of stuff where you have to kind of build it and do the work and and grow it and water it and all that stuff and then it's like so this is like later on down the line stuff but i feel a little bit more peaceful knowing that it's kind of rooted in the bigger picture and 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 rooted more in my purpose and 
kind of just experiencing that and the process, you know, it's fun. Like I get to do this with you, one of my best friends, and you know, we're working on a lot of different things together. And in some ways we're seeing things happen and in other ways we're still doing a lot of fucking hard work, you know? Like the hard work never ends. You know, but there's just, I don't know, for me, there's a, a, a sense of like, I guess calmness, you know, just kind of knowing that again, I, I am getting in my groove. I am kind of moving towards what I want to do who I sort of want to be and, and how I want to experience uh, the world. Uh, so I'm just embracing, you know, change, you know, like we talked about in the, the last couple of episodes, um, embracing uh, the unknown and enjoying the process and seeing what comes from it all for just really doing some fucking hard work, you know, mm-hmm. and I realized that it, it with that there's there's work and it's it's hard it is hard work and that's i don't know what else to how else to say it but when you think about it it you know it is it is hard work and you do see the the benefits at some point if you allow yourself to so not necessarily always fixated on like the money or the the if this happens then this is gonna happen but more so just like you know, am I living up to my expectations, my standards? Am I enjoying myself? Am I keeping good company? Am I trying to do a little bit better in the world? Like, just really seeing it more so for that. So, mm-hmm. I this week has been good. It's been pretty good. This week has been nuts for me. I wish the mine was so... I mean, I just feel like a lot of shit has happened. So, like, the world is in flames, which is fantastic. Um, all because of 45... And um, a whole lot of shit is going on, like politically. Like my the TV has been on CNN or MSNBC or right. something like the entire week, and every day it's been like something of a shit show. So I think, like in general, that's in the air. It's, it's, and also the dog. You hear the dog like, <laughs> right. going <laughs> off about this. Like, See, you know, pissed off. Right. But then, even like in addition to that, it's been like the continuation of that up and down. But I would say that it's kind of like what you were saying with the hard work aspect. It's like it's hard work because you do it because you love it, right? Whatever you do. And then the other part of it is like, well, it never really gets easier, does it? Right. It's just like, you know, there are like those moments where it, there's like a plateau and it's like, mm-hmm. well, you may be comfortable here, whether you're comfortable in dysfunction or whether you're comfortable in, in something that feels good at the moment. Nothing ever remains the same. I think like, these last two weeks have been a combination of feeling amazing progress mm-hmm. and hearing the things that I've wanted to hear for a long time, having the meetings I've wanted to have for a long time, going into the buildings I've wanted to go into for a long time because we've been working so hard. And then the other part is not necessarily hearing exactly what I want to hear right. and not exactly having the resources that I yet want to have. But it's all when I took the moment to kind of like sit back, especially after a meeting that I had this week, I was like, you know what? I was not here two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I was not here a month ago. I have made so much progress in the last couple of weeks. And this is something to be grateful for mm-hmm. because I mean, after a meeting, I went and I bought a bottle of Malbec. <laughs> I came home. I like poured wine for Will and I. I'm and like, I was like, you know, you're dramatic as hell. I'm Can like, we're just, drinking this. You came in with that water bottle, with that wine bottle, and was like, well, I need wine. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then the, the doorbell like, rang, and then the doorbell rang, and he was like, and I need pizza too. <laughs> 
I ordered pizza. I on was the like, way. you know, you're a mess, right? Maybe I ordered, but like, I ordered pizza on the way to the apartment. <laughs> I like, I stopped like, in the pizza shop. I said, here's what I need. Charge this. Here we go. Thank you. Walked home, had some, poured, poured the glass of wine, rolled up a doobity. I was like, I just need a moment because, you know, it's like, it's the way that life is. You mm-hmm. overcome something and then you see that same thing show up again. Or you make progress and then you take two steps back. And for me, there's this battle that goes on between being grateful and wanting more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the me being honest. And the gratefulness keeps me grounded. Right. So I was like, Don- Donovan, damn it, just be grateful. And I was like, I'm grateful. <laughs> Right. That's the sign. I am grateful for this wine. (laughs) That's the sign. I am grateful for this wine. And, you know, right. With my duty. And it was fantastic. And I felt much better. And I went to sleep and I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and started working. And I started working. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it is what it is. So I'm just grateful to be here. And I'm very, 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 very excited Mm -hmm. because we have an amazing guest today. Yes, but before we, we before we intro him, I'm going to tee up the conversation because we've been lucky. I think we've released the conversation with Flo. Mm-hmm. We've released the conversation with Flo. Oh, that's it. Oh, because we have more good shit coming. So next right. week or the week before you guys are here right now listening to <laughs> this, we would have released the conversation with Josh and Drea, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Yes. And throughout all of those conversations, we've had this um theme of loneliness exploring loneliness so while we won't be talking about loneliness directly for a long time in this episode necessarily we will be hitting on it and what better way of exploring a subject like loneliness i am so excited because yeah than to have a freaking mental health expert the doctor the wonderful millennial dr vance here um who i met a while ago, a couple of, maybe almost a year ago. And um, we've gotten to have lots of conversations and he's very, very intelligent. He's a black man. And he got accolades. He has accolades <laughs> and the awards. You know what I'm saying? But what is the best thing about it is that you are a black man a, who can offer, you know, us some perspective that isn't just, you know, it doesn't come from just experiencing the dating life or experiencing what it's like to be a black gay man, but you have an informed opinion based on your learnings and your education. So say what's up to the people. What's up, people? This is Dr. Vance, Dr. Vance. (laughs) So, okay, so we just want to get some information on you before we go in. So once again, being black, being a man, and you're from? Georgia originally, Waycross, Georgia, the country. Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up for Georgia. Some of my favorite people are from Georgia. I wonder if that's a coincidence. Anyway, so um, tell us about like how you, like maybe a little bit about your background, but more so how you got into, you know, psychology and what has been your experience thus far and like what are you about now? Yes, and what exactly do you do? How, like what does your job entail? How do you service the community? What is that? Yeah. What does that all look like? Mm-hmm. So how I got to the field. So uh, my mom's a social worker, okay. uh, and my dad was also in a mental health background field as well. Um, but he does substance abuse. And so uh, growing up, that's all I saw. It's in the blood. Yeah. And I, I knew I wanted to become a psychologist since sixth grade. Uh, so most people were like, that's weird. Like, right. first of all, who knows what I that is? I want to be a farmer. <laughs> I want to be a ballerina. 
I want to be, be a psychologist. psychologist. <laughs> and it's probably like very specific. I want to be a child development psychologist <laughs> with an emphasis exactly. on cognitive development. Right. <laughs> that was really me. I, I, I said, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm going to go to school for four years. I'm going to do my master's in two years and then finish my PhD in four years. And people were like, wow, you're, you're so specific. And that's exactly right. what I did. And you were like, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Taurus. <laughs> and we're very, very serious about our shit. We know yes. what we want. Because yeah. that's amazing. Cause, yeah. yeah. So that's what I did. So I moved to the Atlanta area for college, left there, and then I went to Ohio and did my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Uh, then I thought I knew I was going to leave Ohio. I, I, I just knew it. And I ended up staying oh, wow. uh, and doing my PhD in counseling psychology. Then I did my pre-doctoral internships, kind of like residency in Boston, uh, Boston University School of Medicine, uh, at the Center for Multicultural Training and Psychology. So basically, all experiences with multicultural, you know, people and identities. Mm-hmm. And then I came here to New York and did my postdoctorate at Columbia at the hospital, and that's where I really specialize in gender and sexuality mm-hmm. and uh, this thing called intersectionality and trying to figure out, you know all these identities mean something and people are experiencing life and mental health concerns. And how important intersection is when you're looking at certain things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and so I was supposed to leave. I was only supposed to be in New York for a year. Um, so that was your plan? Yes. I never even wanted to move to New York at all. That was never, ever my plan. Why? Why not? I just didn't want to. It was just like, mm, New York, that so what led, what So you're just like, oh, I have to take this... The postdoctorate. So in right. my field, you yeah. don't have to do a postdoctorate um, at all. It's like a postdoctorate basically means you're just specializing in something right. else. Uh, and my first time in Boston, I work and specialize in uh, uh, trans and gender non-binary populations specifically. Uh, most people were like, well, how do you get into that world? Because that wasn't planned at all. Right. I was supposed to be a child psychologist. And, you know, that was going to be my focus. And I started off as a school-based therapist and mm-hmm. worked with kids and, and loved it. Um, and then I did my residency and they said to me like, oh, we're going to put you at the Center for Transgender Medicine and Surgery. And I'm like, whoa, like I have no idea about this population, how I'm supposed to serve and help. Then I got into it and I started doing sex therapy and couples therapy with right. trans population. And I was like, oh, I love this. That's so cool. Uh, and then I was like, but I don't see any other black men in, right. as psychologists in the space. And I was like, where are mm-hmm. they? And I was like, there isn't any. And so I was like, well, why not me? Right. And that is literally why I specialize in this area. Wow. Um, it's just, just because I know that there's nobody else that looks like me in the field. And what is that like, being somebody in the field who does, and there's no one who looks like you? It's quite interesting. I get a lot of like reactions from people. Most people you know, will say, like, are, are you trans? Or do you know somebody who's trans? And I, I'm like, no, I just care about all black people. Mm-hmm. Just that's what it is. All my research before all that was about racial identity and just black identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, my dissertation was over the imposter phenomenon uh, and black graduate students. So everything was like black, black, black. And then I went to residency mm-hmm. and it became this uh, gender and sexuality. Right. And so when I came to New York, I just fused them all together. So what was it exactly that made you like, was it the people? Like what made you really make that transition to like, completely changed i guess not the course of what you're studying but like because that's how much i care about black and brown folks um understanding how privilege works knowing that i'm a cisgender man that presents with this masculine uh, features or symptoms or expression uh knowing that i can use that power and my knowledge and my background and the way I explain things to navigate spaces that other people don't have access to. Mm-hmm. So why not try to uplift those voices and amplify yeah. those voices? Yeah. 
Um, so no. sounds like a pioneer to me. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Did you do you ever feel like sometimes because of our own biases as of as people of color that even I'm sure that people may not treat you fairly in terms of colleagues, in terms of the people who are in the same space. But how do how do your patients react to you when they see that you as a black, once again, masculine presenting cisgender man um, comes with the credentials? Like, do people assume that you're there as their doctor? Do they ever say, um, are you here to introduce me to the doctor? Have you ever no. had any of those weird types of experiences? Yeah, of course. Moving to New York taught me that lesson the most. It was probably one of the most difficult years um, that I experienced. Um, a, adjusting to New York life and what it's all about. And also working at this big old Ivy League institution. Uh, and I was constantly getting challenged by my patients and my colleagues. I got stopped by security, telling me to go check in before I go see the doctor. I have experience being called like the IT person. Can you uh, go grab I, those towels? Yeah, that's I really uh, being skipped over in meetings and, and, and people introducing themselves or people saying, you know, where did you actually go to school or how did you get to this space or, oh, people must be so proud of you. And uh, it's kind of, it was quite fascinating. Patients come in and they're just like, oh, like, do you actually know what you're doing? And uh, so it's been like really, really hard the last year and finally coming out of that space and going to more into academia and trying to figure out ways to uh, have more of an entrepreneurship type of mindset yeah. uh, is the direction that I'm going in now. So I'm in this space of creativity and knowing that I have multiple skills and how to utilize that mm -hmm. and procreate kind of access for everybody. I love that you said that because I feel like that's where we need, that's what we need. We need someone to be in that intersection, to someone to see people in the intersection, acknowledge that it exists, right? Acknowledge that there are a lot of things happening here in this black space. Yeah. Um, and black folks, you know, this recent rush to mental health professionals is a recent phenomenon where, you know, millennials and Gen Z's are like, no, I'm taking ownership of, of my experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna say that I need someone to talk to. And that's very, very recent. We've That happened in less than a, you know, a couple of years, I would say. And I think, you know, television and media has really, really helped broaden and put us together a little bit more when it comes to issues like that, that you can put under, put under a hashtag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But it's like at the but at the same time in terms of like actually practicing certain things and being someone who's transgender, being a black gay man who comes from a place that's not New York, mm -hmm. some place where there's a lot of traditional quote unquote values, you know, you're in a place and it's like, do people see you at that intersection, depending on where you are? And I would say not often. So one, it's like one, I'm glad that you're in that space because we do need that entrepreneurial spirit that will say, here are some issues that people don't address because they're not there. Mm -hmm. They can't speak to it. Let me come here and figure out a way how I can service these unique problems. Yeah. And um, for me, I'm really excited to have you here more specifically to get into the unique problems. And talk about like some of our wins and our losses, but we can go, we can start here which is the black gay experience because that's what i am i'm a black gay man i can speak mostly to that has been an interesting thing from like adolescence pre-adolescence pre adolescence to coming into an adulthood and being like a grown-ass man it's been every step of the way has been completely different than the other but the exploration of of, of searching for self has remained constant throughout those things. 
And I think that that represents me as on an individual experience, but then there's a group experience as well, which I think kind of mirrors that. And right now we're in a place where Lil Nas X can come out and be like, yo, I, you know, I'm gay. And everybody can be like, let's throw him a parade. Right. But we know that there are a lot of gaps in between there. Uh, people who are at different intersections, which does not include the support of Billboard magazine and their maybe progressive agenda and the actual very religious and old school values of an entire town mm-hmm. for someone else. And I'm interested to know for you, if you, if you, what do you, where do you see us in terms of black gay culture and where do you think that the world is in terms of how black gay men are seen by the world? Hmm. Well, there's four points that I think that, you know, black gay culture is at this moment. Uh, and those four words are identity, expression, purpose, and value. Mm-hmm. Uh, the identity of trying to explore what does queerness look like to me? Uh, and how do I express that? How do I express that? So you have masculine and femininity. How do I entwine them both? Uh, what does it look like in me? How, how can I become the narrative of that story? Location, geographic plays a lot uh, into that expression. Mm-hmm. What is my purpose of life? You know, what is the meaning? You know, how do I define my queerness in this space? Um, you know, what what does queerness look like for me? There's so many different variations of that. Yeah. But what does it look like me for me? And how can I have my purpose uh, come and manifest through that? Uh, then you have value. You know, how do I find value in what I can produce with my purpose in the way that I express with my identity as a black queer person? Mm-hmm. I have to think, okay, so can you go, let's go back to the first one. Which was the first value that you mentioned? Uh, identity. Identity. Okay, so do you think that for us, because on an individual basis, it's like we all are looking for that way to express, as you mentioned, who we are, whether that be masculinity and femininity, as you mentioned. But do you think like now people feel safe enough to explore that, whether that's masculinity or femininity in terms of this is our gay identity? Like, do you feel like people explore that in a real authentic way? Especially, I mean, like I think it depends. I I think, like in New York, we have, uh, well, New York City, we have a little bit more freedom to explore that, and also depending on your career path, um, corporate world here in New York, I see lots of people who are more in creative spaces, so you're able to create the life that you want to live. Mm. Um, Coming from South Georgia, and and now living in New York, those two worlds don't coexist. Um, You can't be your your free. Uh, Your full self, right? Yes, authentic <laughs> self in South Georgia, where you know the only thing to do down there is just go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, you can. I'm not gonna say you can't. You can, uh, but you'll have a lot more other challenges or mm-hmm. or uh, less connection and social support in those spaces. Um, so you know, geographic really shifts uh, how you see the world and how you actually develop. Um, you know, being in Ohio for six years of my graduate training. Um, my world and how I saw myself and how I saw black queerness is totally different than actually living here in New York. Yeah. Uh, and I think as you progress and move in those spaces, you start learning those small things that perhaps you haven't really learned in those small spaces. And that's developmentally. I think, you know, that kind of pushed a person to grow developmentally. Exactly. I knew like, even like in my 
kind of late teens, I was like, I got to go to New York so I could be gay. Like, I just knew I had to leave yeah. Sunnyvale. You know what I mean? It, even though I was in California, but where I was in particular, like, I was like, I know I got to New I know I have to move to New York. And that's exactly what I did. Because I was like, that is going to be, even though that's where I'm from, it, w- it, w- it would be the only place where I could probably, like you said, really figure out who I'm, who wow. I am, you mm-hmm. know, in that way. And because it's so liberal, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so, you know, there's just so many things that comes with living in New York, whether it's assistance and, you know, programs and grants. And there's so many things that come with. And I just like, I, I just knew that that would play a big part in how I developed. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's funny because in the reverse, being born here, my dad moved me away from New York in mm-hmm. the 90s because he didn't want me to grow into in in that environment. You know what I mean? Because he realized at a certain point, there's only so much sheltering that can be done. You know what I mean? But then there was going to be some point that real New York was going to get a hold of me. And, you know, depending on who I was, which he didn't know at that point, you know what I mean? It, it could have went either way. It could have went either way in California, but he took his chances saying, Hey, I bet if I move away from New York, he, his chances are a little bit better. Yeah. You know, and that's what he did. And then for me, it's like, I had to do the reverse. Like I know I have to go back to New York <laughs> so I can live mm. a full authentic life and not live in this bubble that I'm trying to pretend to be, yeah. you know, but I don't want to like promote that you have to live in a bigger city to be yeah, not at itself. All. Yeah. I just think that, uh, you have more access to mm-hmm. communities that yeah. you're able to do that a little bit faster mm-hmm. compared to living in a smaller town. Mm-hmm. But I do think that's the advantage that Gen Z, the younger uh, generation behind us, millennials, um, is starting to do and pick up faster than us. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They're starting to create the uh, their own communities, their own definition of what it's mean to be mm-hmm. authentic in whatever space that they enter in. And I think that's something that they just develop a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gen Z, you know, statistically, they're going to be the most socially political groups of people, generation, compared to the rest of us. And I think that's part of their personality, their heart, and their spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing to see. We got to saw it. We got to see that with the shooting in Florida with the kids. Um, they were not here for it. They weren't, mm-hmm. they were not going to have people of yesteryear these old Mm -hmm. motherfuckers baby boomers still Mm -hmm. tell us that no we cannot have laws that protect us and when we're the ones getting killed when we're the ones getting killed like we are the ones who are receiving the sins you know the way that it kind of trickles down when you guys don't give a fuck what happens because you go home into your luxurious homes Mm -hmm. and, and you accept people's money so that you can have a certain type of life and here we are you know the victims of you know mass shootings in in america Mm -hmm. right and we're not supposed we're not a third a third world country allegedly but we treat people like you know they're just nothing and i think like you know millennials i think are are the ones who kind of ushered in some of that type of behavior i know we kind of rebelled against corporate structures i.e you find yourself even a place where you're like i need to find out how i could do this entrepreneurship shit um but i think like to see that and to know that there is this awakening happening or it's going to happen whether these old motherfuckers like it or not excites me um where i do get concerned is the homophobia that exists outside and inside of the community so outside where you see even now you'll you'll go in the shade room and you may see comments under a gay something that has a gay context or content and you still have people in the comment section saying some wild shit about right. gay people. And that's sometimes I'm just like, yo, people are still doing this. And then I think about Nigel Shelby and I think about kids who are who are teased all the time. I think about, you know, those of us who are, you know, 
adults and who are older than even us here in their 40s and they're still afraid to come out they're still afraid to be honest and i realize like there's still a lot of work to be done so in going off of this idea that there's homophobia on the outside and on the inside as a collective right like the black gay male collective because you you mentioned a couple of points that we got to hit identity which i think spilled over into a lot of the other aspects but in moving away from more the rebellious side of seeing as a group and seeing as seeing a group identity for black gay men, what do you think from a millennial perspective, what do you think we are collectively? Do you think we have one kind of voice or, 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 or a joint perspective of, of any side? Can you identify anything about it? I, I think where we are is, is starting to have conversations Mm-hmm. Uh, we give a lot of lip service, but when you're actually putting things to action, it doesn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, from my perspective, I feel that millennial black queerness is based off of this social status that we want to create, yeah. such as, oh, I live in New York and you live in, you know, somewhere in Mississippi or Alabama. And uh, we're trying to fight over this this fake power, sense of power, mm-hmm. uh, when systemically we don't have that. Uh, I, I think that does a, a disservice to us. Um, mm. You know, even here in New York, you have Harlem and Brooklyn. And, and, and we was talking about that earlier about, you know, oh, I live here and you live there. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually doesn't really exist. Like, yeah, geographically you live there, but literally doesn't make you better than the other person. <laughs> uh, but we like to put this fake, fake sense of power into those things. Um, we haven't really hit like what's under all of that stuff. That comparison was under it is it's really hurt and anxiety that I don't have enough or that I am not enough. Yeah. Uh, and once we get to those layers, then we can actually start making movement. But we're still trying to compare, you know, who lives where and and who's going to what party and, and who's hanging out with who. And and underneath all of that is really who are you as a person? What is your meaning? What is your purpose? So how do you get there or start to get there? Well, eventually people have to have real conversations Then they're not ready to have that conversations because we still like to put the facade that everything is fine and mm-hmm. everything is not fine. If, you know, depression and suicidality for black men are one of the top killers of us, um, that lets me know that we're not talking at a deeper level just yet. So the research is saying, hey, y'all black men, y'all are actually killing yourself. It's not really, you know, yeah. gun violence. It's not actually all these other violence. It is actually you being so depressed that you're literally killing yourself and lo- and in, in your loneliness. Yes. And loneliness, loneliness is, is really huge. Uh, loneliness is a private problem, but a public epidemic. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't really hit that. Wow. Um, you know, you know, all the research saying now that this is a public health concern, loneliness, um, of not being connected to each other. Um, it is saying that it's more prevalent than obesity and tobacco usage. Um, and and that is so actually, my thing is like this is crazy. how so like I mean maybe this is like really big but how do we get here and how do we try to change because is it something like climate change where it's like oh, oh well we already fucked it up like how does that work uh, well there's different strategies to you know kind of break that loneliness but most people don't even think so how do we get here first because you know because now it's always it's for me I feel like when I hear something on the news or hear an article it's like boom like loneliness is an epidemic and it's like oh man like you know you get it you can see why but like how do we get here it's crazy we we reinforce it as people so this generation this society is the most socially connected yet we are the most lonely 
Um, and it's because that we're not having authentic connections, relationships. Right now, we're worried about followers, but not the quality of those followers. You know, loneliness is is different from being socially isolated. So you can be lonely and married. You can be lonely and a new parent. You can be lonely and have a group of friends. But loneliness, the definition of it really is about meaning, um, about the connection and the quality of those relationships. We're not having those quality of relationships anymore. Um, with social media, I'm not going to blame social media, but it also plays into it. Social mm-hmm. media is a way to still have this barrier in front. Uh, and in on social media, we like to portray this life that we wish we have, but we don't actually live that life. Uh, and what would happen if we break, again, that layer of that social comparison? Oh, I live in Harlem. But actually saying, oh, yeah, you might live in Harlem, but you have like five roommates and mm-hmm. your mattress is still on the floor. Oh, um, oh, and, no you know, and, and under all that is... <laughs> Is a problem. I uh, have definitely went yeah. to Harlem and someone's mattress was <laughs> on the floor, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I know that it, it, it sounds bad, but on social media, they're in Dubai and they're in you know all these other countries and saying they're living their best life and their bodies banging and but because Facetune is real. Um, and in what would happen if we really break down all that layer and just say, you know, are you actually okay? Um, you know, let's actually just sit down and just talk and let's just be with each other instead of, you know, going back and forth at DMs and trying to portray this life yeah. that you don't actually really live. And the thing about it is, sorry, not to cut you off, but you even can find people like extending their like relationships via DM, not trying to meet or not even trying to have that real connection. <laughs> yeah. it's, so it, true. it's so weird. It's crazy. Very, very, very it's true. very like Twilight. But, but we mode. also play that out when we go out in public uh, yeah. where we don't talk about, we don't, to me, when I first moved to New York and going out to the clubs and trying to like really connect and, and get my date on, I thought it was so weird at seeing it. I felt like it was back in high school where everybody like lined up against the wall and just staring at each other and, and they're and all black. Or yeah. little, and little this is this is why I love Black Mirror because they do those fucking episodes that yeah. just kind of yeah. like show you our reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I speak about the Matrix being this place where we can't tell the difference between the digital world and the real world anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we first started talk, having these, conversation about, these conversations about loneliness it was before the articles it was more so that feeling that very very cold cold feeling Mm -hmm. in the universe Mm -hmm. like everybody is so popular and everybody's so cool and chasing celebrity culture that we 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 feel like we filled the gap but i think we just fell into Mm -hmm. a very 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 bad situation because we felt like we can fill this you know need for attention in this Mm. very very non-real world and it doesn't it doesn't work but we we reinforce that though so you'll post on your your you know instagram or snapchat whatever you use talking about oh like i'm sad oh you know life is not fair and then people will say you need to get out your feelings you know you need to stop all that and so what happens is we learn that that's not okay to post so we don't post that no more so we only post positive things and like living your best life and everything is so great and we like that we give you double tap on that we say oh that's so great and oh i'm so proud of you which means i want more of that so i'm going to post more of that yeah Uh, and so therefore we reinforce it each other and in the black queer community we we're we were guilty of that yeah for sure uh, we play into it and also we we reinforce that that's so funny because now it all about it made me think about how like even in high school me and my sister uh would talk about how 
like people will be talking about oh my baby daddy is so like why is she talk about everybody like, she always is very specific of my baby daddy ain't come home in three days and it's like it's funny and it's extreme because you have it's but it's like it's like how you decide to interact with it but mm-hmm. to your point it is it's gotten to the point where people, it makes so much sense that you know you start drawing back what you post because it again it doesn't garner the attention that you'd want you know what i mean or you know it's it's why people you see their body and face throughout their whole and enti- every single picture mm-hmm. either their body or their face because the one writing of a scripture is not going to get as many likes the one of your grandmother <laughs> if it's like sentimental enough may yeah. may be able to get it but you're definitely going to get if you're, so much value. of your new haircut mm-hmm. or you know what i mean of your body you're going to get those likes so yeah. and we have and, the and power to shift that culture though if we wanted to um, and so something that I try to do personally is put out my fails. Uh, I, there have been jobs that I didn't get, got mm-hmm. rejected from a lot of things. And I personally don't mind posting that because I want to show people that, hey, yes, I have all these, you know, squigglies after my name and stuff. You got a lot of squigglies. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Squiggles, man, squiggles over here. But I, I want you to so like that, you know, to get there, you have to fail. Yeah. Like that is part of your greatness and, yeah. and not being afraid to push through that. Right. You know, greatness truly lies on the other side of fear. Um, you know, greatness lies on the ups and downs and you're going mm-hmm. to fall. Mm-hmm. And if you can fall, you know, fall on your back because if right. you can look up, you can really get up. And, and that is how you move forward. Uh, and, and so I'm really transparent. Like, listen, mm-hmm. dating is hard for me as well. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm struggling and these jobs mm-hmm. are not paying well either. Do you cur- encourage that in your friendship? too because i'm always curious like okay so what do we do so now I, i'm glad that you do that but do you like extend that type of yeah. energy to your friends and family and maybe correcting them and saying hey like let's look at it like this or how let's talk about this like how do you involve other people into how you i think you know? accountability so i have like my my circle my circles or i have different pockets of circles I mean, a lot of my friends are also you know they're psychologists as well but they're all across the country but mm-hmm. here in new york city um, having you know black queer friends, um, we check each other, we hold each other accountable, uh, and and so even when I hear like dating stories, me and my friends will be like, oh, how'd that date go? And and then they'll tell me their 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 story, and I'll be like, friend, you're wrong. Like mm-hmm. Ashley, you know the reason why you're feeling like this is because you have like dating anxiety, and it's not really them, it's really you because you're anxious and you haven't heard from that person in one day, so it's provoking these things with right. yourself. Mm-hmm. So how can you check that? And it's rooted um, in like a feeling that you felt before so yes. it's like well, happening again in real time yeah and also sharing and saying like oh i get exactly what you mean um you know i experienced that too here's a story about that uh, to let the person know that you're not alone that we literally all experience the same thing do you um, think that people are having those conversations with their friendship circles like you're having with yours to an extent um and i i don't know everybody's friendship circles but it's fascinating as you know a therapist everybody comes to my office talking about the exact same thing. And I'm like, wow, only if they knew, like systemically, we're all dealing with, you know, you know, feelings of not being good enough or, you know, worrying about, you know, uh, how to navigate dating spaces Mm -hmm. or, you know, stressing out about, you know, job and finances and uh, purpose and meaning in life. Mm -hmm. And going back to, you know, where is the state of black queerness is, you know, identity and purpose and expression. And those are the themes that come up in my office. And I don't think that, you know, people might be having their small little circles, um, but like publicly, we're not posting stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We're not showing that we're dealing with those things. We want to live our best life. You're not mm-hmm. worrying about nobody and be a boss. And I'm doing this, that, and the other. And, and uh, 
you know, you know, catch flights and not feelings. And I say, right. you know, you can shit. have both. Actually, you can yeah. catch a flight and have some feelings at right. the exact same time. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all, so why don't? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Brother. Sorry, I just curious. Are all of your friends, like I see your core friends, or majority of your friends, are they in the same like profession, health? No, in New York, no. They're all mm. like they're all different. Okay. I have friends who are creatives. I have friends who are in corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one friend. You know, she's also a psychologist, but. Uh, here in New York has given me a whole different type of perspectives um, that typically throughout grad school, all my friends, we were all becoming future doctors and in, in mental health. Mm. Awesome. Cool. So why do you think that it's hard for people to bring those conversations up in real life? Is it, be, do you think that that is a symptom of the digital world creeping into our personal lives? Because if there is in fact a loneliness epidemic, it tells me that people are not having the kind of conversations that will help cure the loneliness or perhaps haven't had the bridge to connect to themselves or back to themselves so they can nurture those things. I think one of the biggest things is vulnerability. We're not willing just yet to be vulnerable with people who we don't know what the response is going to be. So it's easier to be vulnerable with your circle of friends, your core group of people that say, listen, I'm struggling. Um, Because you can struggle and also be successful at the same time. I think right now we live in this dichotomy of it's either or, but they both exist at the same time. Why do we struggle? Okay, so because I can can understand why we would we wouldn't want to be vulnerable to everybody in the world. But what makes it difficult to even still have the same issue of inviting those people in when you know they're like your brother your mother your sister like how do we where, how does that happen pressure um you know i know for at least in my experience for me there's some things i don't want to tell my family i'm not willing to say oh like i actually don't know exactly which direction i'm going into i was having a conversation with my mom uh two days ago i was like i'm in this weird creative space where I trained for 11 years to become this psychologist and I thought my life was going to be seeing people every single day mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that. You're no like, more. I'm going to be a dancer. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Private dancers. No, uh... yeah, but I, I spent that long in school to realize what I don't want to do. Um, and I see, I'm seeing the world completely different and New York has really impacted me in that particular area. You know, I'm trained to be a psychologist in academia or a researcher. Mm-hmm. And I got through this whole process. It's like, well, I actually don't want to do none of that. Um, I actually, yeah, I don't mind practicing and I don't mind doing some teaching, but I want to figure out how can I help people? Right. I think for me in my personal life, I don't really like writing for an academic journal for other people with PhDs to read. That's a waste of time. And I didn't go to school for that. Um, Who are you helping? Exactly. (laughs) Like You're just helping me get smarter, and that's great. And it helps inform practice. But I want the same information to be given to everybody, to people who don't know even how to even look up an academic journal. I wanted to have access on Instagram. I want them to follow me and be like, oh, who knew that, you know, this is the rate of loneliness and stuff. Um, And which is why I tried to position myself to, you know, talk and hang out with everybody. You would see me out in the club and you would see me out at brunch having a time of my life because I'm purposely, I want people to see that I can be this doctor and also an everyday person. And it's who you are. It's a whole life. It is who you are. Yes. And, And that is real. 
Um, you know, being real, sometimes being in the mental health space, people put me on this pedestal like I am not allowed to be like normal or, mm-hmm. or typical, that I'm not allowed to be sad. I'm not allowed to be depressed. I'm not allowed to be upset or angry. Uh, and I want to kind of dismantle that, that that's not accurate mm-hmm. um, because that's what humanity is all about. Um, it's being the true self. And, and life is not about finding yourself and, and this this end destination, but it's about creating yourself and creating mm-hmm. a life that you want to be in. I want to create a space in a world where people say, oh, there's Dr. Vance over there. Let me go say hi to him. And, oh, I saw his pose. And, yeah, he's a little ratchet. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's okay because you can turn up in a club and also be educated. Like those things, I want to promote duality. Uh, and, and I think that's what that we need to start moving towards is you can be depressed and happy. You're yeah. literally um, speaking the no days off mantra right now. I'm just I like, know. right <laughs> on, brother. And then I'm also, <laughs> for real, it's like from Freddie from a different world. Right on. Right on. Right on. <laughs> but like, I think that that is the furthest um, in, op- in, in all directions the vibrations of blackness, what it actually means to come from creativity and suffering, all of those things, that righteous and rudeness, all of it, it's who we are. It's being able to sing the best and it's also to be able to play the best at any sport. And it's also about being able to like get down to the and produce the best doctors, get down to the actual work of whatever it is. I think that is who we are. And for so long, we've certain parts of us have been suppressed. Like, like literally you cannot read or write, Mm. you know, literally you can't have that job. You can't have this access. You can only do this. You can only be a basketball player and you can only do this. And you know, it's, it, it created a framework for what I believe is a part of the foundation of who we are today, which is rooted in a lot of shame. And I think that, the intersection of blackness and queerness becomes so just it just becomes so heavy um sometimes where you can't even see some of the things that we're carrying to already kind of be shoved into a corner because you're black in terms of what you're able to do how you're able to express yourself right like men who aren't even queer who express certain feminine ways or who say things that aren't popular in terms of through the lens of masculinity or patriarchy get treated differently right mm-hmm. those are the guys who sometimes wind up with white girlfriends yeah yeah <laughs> that we often talk about but we don't understand that yeah they fall outside of the norm and what do we what happens culturally when we don't realize the various expressions of ourselves and i believe that if you're a black queer person you become extremely, extremely pushed into the corner. Mm -hmm. And now I think everybody is fighting for the scraps and fighting for attention and fighting for a place and fighting to be seen. So if we can express that in a social space and we can create a hierarchy where some of us can't win in real life, but we can win in the social space, we can do that. And if all it takes is to go to the gym, not to say that that isn't our difficult thing, but if that's all that it takes to get there and then I have access, we're going to start judging right each other based on a whole different set of things um not that judgment is okay no matter what but it's not necessarily about who you are and your best Mm -hmm. expression of self and and the honesty of how you arrive to this place is about what you look like and Mm -hmm. how aesthetically that makes me feel or envious of you and that that creates across Mm -hmm. it it, it creates like a, a cross and wires because we're saying to people that i've done a lot so that i can appear this way and i want to be recognized for that but we never actually show what it takes to get there mm-hmm. or we never show the, the seriousness of it and then when we have our dating conversations with our friends we talk about how much everybody else is lacking not knowing how we've all kind
kind of equally contributed to a culture that doesn't allow us to be honest about our shortcomings, you know, where maybe in another time, in another life, that was perfectly acceptable. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily true just because I hear Gen X saying, millennials are always fucking complaining. Shut up. Blah, 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 blah. You guys need to work harder. You guys need to do X, Y, Z. And millennials are like, we work our asses off. We have three jobs so that we can just like literally make it. And But we don't want to do these specific kind of things. And then we're very, very vocal about those things that we don't like on the internet while we're smiling and talking about how luxurious mm. our life is. <laughs> yeah. So it's like those other things. But all the research shows that, you know, our looks really do impact how we're treated and access that we have. Um, I think as millennials, we're, I was telling my mom a couple days ago about this whole space of like creativity and wanting to do my own thing. I was like, you know, Ma, like you told me to go and, and get this degree. And then once I have this magical degree, it's supposed to open up all the doors and all the money was to fall out the sky. And now that I'm here, I'm like, well, where the dollars at? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're, they're they're not here. Right. The and sky you, is still blue, girl. Yeah, and I, I'm like, yeah, I'm a doctor, I'm but like, green, I'm looking for a green sky. Not child. that rich doctor, right? Uh, and and so now I'm I'm complaining about that, and then also I'm like, oh, I want to you know jump off and just be an entrepreneurship, but I don't really have all the skills because a PhD in psychology, I didn't learn how to be an entrepreneurship. Right. But I think that Gen Z behind us. They're more of a risk taker. They're able to just say, I'm just going to just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the spirit that a lot of millennials don't have just yet. Mm-hmm. That can be learned. Yeah. I think a lot of times we just feel that, you know, millennials, you have all these characteristics and you can't learn or grow and develop. Right. And so now I'm in a space where it's like, okay, I have all this knowledge. Now let's just do something with it and take the risk. And, yeah. and that's the scary part. Yeah. Transitioning over, it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And just to like, you know, go back a little bit into loneliness and, you know, you mentioned expression as well. How do you see that when you go a little bit more into the dating space? Because we're not going to transition a little bit more mm-hmm. into dating. No. Because I think that, you know, dating and loneliness go hand in hand as well. And the dating dynamic is interesting because of things that we just spoke about in terms of, you know, just people feeling like they can't have, you know, they can't be vulnerable and, and you know, we can't necessarily say exactly how we feel about the inside because we're so busy making sure that everything is shiny on the outside. How do we, how comfortable do we feel to actually express that we want to be in a relationship, that we want to have those interactions with each other? Because I'm asking only because to tee it up, I find that a lot of people sometimes run towards the things that won't work as opposed to working to walking or running towards things that will work just as like a common thing that I see, including myself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So like the state of dating is is quite a a fascinating phenomenon, at least for us millennials and black queerness space. And you have apps, which gives you this, this wide variety of access. So, you know, mm. from my experience living in Ohio, I needed an app because I couldn't find black queer folks in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, where and they at? Where they at? Yeah. So I would use apps and I know I would travel to cities like Atlanta or D.C. and New York and connect with people. And I'm like this hopeless romantic thinking that, oh, yeah, two people truly want it. You know, you can make anything work and I'm not going to be in grad school forever. And I flew all the way to Texas from California thinking I was going to find love, child. And didn't find love. Listen, I've been around the world and I, 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 I was going to find my baby. And no way. I don't. Yeah. I'm still back where I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I had this idea that, oh, it's literally just because of my geographic location. And some of it plays out, yeah, because you don't have access. Um, but it's also this cultural thing of, to me, I think, at least in my experience, you know, dating, you know, queer folks, it's kind of like 
these men work like Wi-Fi. You know, the closer you are, the stronger connection is. And uh, as you Ooh, go away, wow. it, it just fizzles off. Literally. Because people will tell me, literally, when I was in Ohio, like, and a lot of them were here in New York, and they might be listening to this, so this message is for you. This is for you. Uh, <laughs> turn your speakers up, bitch. We're going to turn it up on the, on the backside. They was to say, oh, you live so far away, and that's the reason why, and... Yeah, some of it plays out, and I literally took that as, oh, yeah, it's because I'm in Ohio, and I don't live in New York. And then I moved to Boston, and I was like, oh, I'm closer to my connects here in New York. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's still too far away, and, you know, I want to just call you one day and just go to lunch. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally understand. Then randomly, out of my plans, I moved here to New York, and we lived in the same neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, I'm in Harlem, too, now. Uh, let's let's hang up. Let's meet up. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And we meet up, and they're like, yo, yeah, you know, just I'm not in the right space, and oh, I'm, I'm not looking for that. And Let I'm like, well, what space you. do you need? We've been getting to know each other for years. A lot of space, little space. <laughs> no, and then people would talk about, uh, you know, oh, it's just not in the stars, and uh, oh, you know, wait for the stars online, and and I'm like, well. I've been sitting outside waiting for these stars mm-hmm. to align. And so now people are in my DMs talking like, oh, we should hang out. And I'm like, well, do you want to be romantically involved with me? Yes or no? And if not, you need to say, Vance, I am not interested in you romantically. And then people will say, oh, Ashley, you're right. I'm not really interested in you romantically. I just didn't know how to communicate that to you. And so I think the biggest deficit in in Black queer spaces is that we are undeveloped with our communication styles. Uh, we don't know how to say, I actually don't like you romantically. Mm-hmm. So this is where this ghost culture starts popping out. And we just, you know, slide to the right. And, and Is it because we don't want to hurt people's feelings? Is it us not feeling like, what, what why? I think yeah. it's D, all the above. I, I, I think it is, A, we don't want to so-called hurt people's feelings. B, we, we know this, but we're just not sure how to communicate to that to the other person. Um, which means that you have troubles in your life creating boundaries um, because those are boundary setting. Um, so on the other person, I'm thinking, oh, there's a possibility. I just live far away. And now that I'm here, things are going to work out. But in reality, that's not the real answer. It was using that because not thinking that you was going to be like, hi, motherfucker, I'm, I'm in your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We live in the, we <laughs> we the each other now. Yeah. Well, is D uh, that, some motherfuckers just like to keep people on the back burner. Well, I get I get that a lot. Um, so from my experience, a lot of people like to keep me as like a placeholder. So I hear, oh, Vance, like you're you are husband material, but I'm not there just yet. Child. I literally get the same well, thing. Yep, baby. I same same I, because thing. it's talking. It's you say that you said this on a couple podcasts, or we say it often about this idea of the next new shiny thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and also to your point the convenience of it all because the one thing that i absolutely hated about the dating apps and and kind of in in dating in general is the is the monotony of you know what's up hey huh then they fall off and then you're talking to someone else and then it's like Mm -hmm. by the time you know if you spend an hour on it you could be you could have talked to like 20 different people just saying hey and it's like what the fuck is going on here and i'm tired learning your birthday and zodiac sign yes i don't want so many people i can hold (laughs) (laughs) it's true i gotta figure out my compatibility with your shit i'm sick of looking this up all the time (laughs) (laughs) shit but I, I think, and also, again, as they go back to like the loneliness piece, people are on these dating apps for friends. And I think that's bizarre. Like, preach. My, my selfish part of me is like, this app is not for you. Get uh, you. Yeah, this is a dating app. Mm-hmm. So if you're not interested in dating, go to social media. Right. Like, but 
it's people so actually easier. want to date. They're just not afraid to. They're just afraid to say, "I'm actually interested in dating." They just say, "Oh, I'm just here to chill and just see what's going on." And I think you have to be intentional when you date. That gets um, on my nerves, Doctor Vance. <laughs> that gets on my nerves. I'm tired of people being in the dating spaces looking for friends. No, what is this loneliness? People are lonely. Um, and they, they're, they're willing to find some type of connection anyways, because if you're in a dating space, that is a level of vulnerability to put yourself out there and saying, hey, I want this. Um, something that I purposely do, because miraculously, when you go on dating profiles, they have this blank bio. And I think that is weird. Um, I think that that's weird, too. And so I would say, oh, if you had to write a bio <laughs> on a dating app, what would you say? Right. And then they'll say, oh, we have to meet up in person to, to tell you all of that. And I was uh, like, it's not a big mystery. Um, you know, that is your like, way of guarding yourself. Mm -hmm. That you're still not even willing to uh, put what you want out there for other people to see. Because you have no control of, A, who's seeing that. And then, B, what will people respond to that? Right. Um, and that's like, a, that's a barrier. Um, it's true. I would. I just was talking to this guy. We had a brief interaction and I had I matched on other profiles with him before. This time I was on Hinge and we were like we were talking and I said to him like how are you like how are you doing? He's like I'm fine and I haven't spoken to him in months. So I was like, "Well, how have you been?" And then he was like, um, same old same old. Now we've never had a real. I don't know you. What you mean? I don't know What's your anything about him. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm. oh, that's very mysterious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, then he put question mark, question mark, and then he was like, you know, I was like, what's the problem? What's the question marks for? And he was essentially like, you know, you, we've only had a couple of interactions. And you're trying to assess who I am, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, bitch, I am trying to assess. Who imagine you are. being a therapist. I don't even tell people I'm a therapist because I have to like slide that in because everybody <laughs> thinks I'm doing this miraculous Ooh, psychotherapy. This is what I want to know. This is what I want to know. This is what I want to <laughs> know. So not necessarily that, but I'm I'm curious because. I was. I just want to know, how, like, when you're even with like relationships with your family, but particularly in dating and friends and ships, like, how much of it is, like, the degree, the like, how much of the situation, you know, do you bring to like, is it the is, degree is colored? How much? Yeah, of it is like, how, by and your... how much of it is like you and like how you personally feel, or like, do you analyze things differently? with different situations you know or do you try to like not be so textbook at times like how does that work navigating friendships or other relationships with all of these squigglies yeah so or my or my tender and on my hinge you are not going to see that i'm a doctor you're not going to see that I, i'm in psychology uh because that's what i do and not who i am mm -hmm. uh, so when i'm making friendships and everything i'm hey i'm Vance, and this is who i am i enjoy museums i enjoy deep intellectual conversations mm -hmm. i enjoy wine night i enjoy going out and exploring and um and so when i'm sitting down with people sometimes my language and words kind of come out as a therapist because I've been in that world literally for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I might say, oh, like, tell me more about that. Or <laughs> like, oh man, like how, what led you to mm -hmm. that? Um, people will be like, oh, you sound like a therapist. And, and I'm literally not in that space. Do you tell them like, well, I am? Well, later on, I, I try to get there, and it's like, wow, your people say your conversations and your questions are so in depth, and and I, like how you ask really good questions, and I was like, oh yeah, I have some practice. 
Uh, and then right. later on, when they find out, then everybody starts perking up. Uh, and then the whole conversation shifts to right. not about me, but about what I do. Tell me about cases. Oh, you know, what? tell me about uh, what am I thinking right now? And I'm like, you know, sis. <laughs> not a fortune uh, teller. Yes, crazy. I am a psychologist, right. not a psychic. psychic. Uh, you were like, sitting across I, from me looking <laughs> crazy. That's what I. That's but people I'm, get fascinated and they want to know about themselves. And it kind of puts me in this space where now I am now taking care of you. And mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. You're on right. the clock. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and drill you with a bunch of questions because like, I want you to know about me as well and I end up leaving the date or an interaction knowing everything about you and you don't know nothing about me. Besides the shirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's hard out here. But I think if we also have to think about specifically with dating apps that traditionally we met people off our jobs or school or our neighborhoods or we had a friend who knew a friend. It was kind of what something you were tethered to yes Mm -hmm. and the research shows that we meet people our our lovers or partners off of proximity uh and how close we are geographically um and we have things that are common so opposites don't attract the research shows that it's commonalities Mm -hmm. that attract uh, which is why you know like my parents they met at work um, and that was 35 years ago wow. uh, and they're still together that was a commonality that brought people together dating apps unfortunately the one thing that they miss um, is that commonality piece uh, the dating apps are solely based off of geographics uh, of where you're located which essentially you have a higher chance of missing out on commonalities so that's why we're constantly meeting and talking to people over and over and over and it doesn't work because you're meeting lots of people in your area geographically but are not really common with you mm-hmm. And that uh, must happen a lot in a place like New York because yes. there's so many transplants, people with different backgrounds, different, mm-hmm. you know, religions, ways yeah. of lives. And, and, and that, mm-hmm. if you're in close proximity, right. is like yeah. a Petri dish yeah. for miscommunication and, and misunderstanding. So for me, when I date and approach dating, I try to get, the, this is my, my background of trying to figure out what are your values and your morals. Mm-hmm. And let me see if we're aligned there before I want to go on a date with you. So I'm asking questions like, oh, tell me about your family background or, you know, uh, not about what you do, actually, but what, what brings you pleasure? What brings you joy? Mm-hmm. What are some things you like to do on your off time? Um, because I'm trying to see... You know, do I really want to go jogging with you? You know, do spend time and money like Donovan. We say all the time, like, it costs too much to go on a date, right? Especially here in these New York streets, right? Like, it's too much. The rent is too damn high. Yeah, okay. but it's it's a struggle, and and again, it's vulnerability. A lot of people are not aware of their triggers. Um, so I think as a mental health professional, like I'm aware of what makes me sad, what makes me upset, um, what mm-hmm. I don't like. And also I know how to communicate that to you and saying, oh, I don't like not talking to you in, you know, a week time because mm-hmm. that makes me feel anxious and it makes me feel anxious because it makes me feel X, Y, Z. A lot of people don't have that level of depth of understanding of themselves. Right. So what happens is people just get upset and get angry and they just lash out. Um, or people come to me wanting me to kind of take care of them and I don't want to take care That's of That's what I was going to ask you. Do you find yourself like, you talk about this all the time, Donovan, raising men and then like, you know, having an experience with them, dating them, kind of, you know, ca- having some level of compassion and caring for them some type of way. So you, you kind of date and see where it goes, but then, you know, you realize that you're kind of making them better for the next person and you realize you didn't really get much out of the relationship you know, and it might be because of the type of energy that you're bringing in and the type of knowledge that you have and what you've been able to build for yourself. So do you find yourself in situations like that? Well, I think a lot of times from my, at least in my dating history so far in, in this last year, 
people like me because I look great on a piece of paper. Um, they, they see me and they're like, oh, he's a doctor. He's stable. He's friendly. He's kind. He's this, that, and other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to know me a little for like a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden they just fall off and they say, oh, well, I'm not ready. Um, or, oh, you know, I'm not looking for anything serious. You said you're looking for something serious and long term, and I'm not ready for all that. Right. So you're wasting my time. And you then that did. means I right. just met. I, I, I there, Give yeah. me back my $37. <laughs> right. For this Dutch <laughs> and, date, bitch. And my four hours. <laughs> no, my time is, is precious. And that's one thing that I, I guard uh, is my time. Uh, because I am busy. I'm constantly on the go. And, and I am giving talks to other, other places. And if you waste my time, if I say, let's go on a date, I am literally investing. Uh, relationships and dating is about an investment. It is about mm-hmm. taking a risk. And sometimes those risks are not going to play in your cards. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just because a date doesn't go well or you don't, you're not compatible doesn't mean the world is over. Mm-hmm. It just literally means that you and that person is not compatible. And, and that's okay. Yeah. But we're not willing to just admit that. Yeah. We get upset at all of New York and saying, all people here in New York right. are trash. All people are wasting your time, and that's not real. That's 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 realistic. Right. Is to go back, and that's what called dating it. That's mm-hmm. what dating yeah, is. It's true. A vulnerable moment for me is that I would say like I am the type of personality where if I decide to make an investment in someone, I'm very serious about it. Mm-hmm. And like we have to put like a very serious track right here I that will. expresses the serious severity of it. So I don't like to waste my time. Mm-hmm. And I personally have realized that I find it difficult to navigate this space fully because I know what I've experienced over time. And it's that a lot of men who are queer are fighting and the fights are valid and they're serious and I am going through and I've been through a lot of those same things but at 34 for me I'm noticing like the social media space has really impacted dating like I'm we're on a date but I there's like lots of posts happening I don't I don't (laughs) but for me it's like I would like a regular interaction I don't I don't even think I'm really a, a popular Instagram person but I feel like people, there are certain personalities that want access to that. Mm-hmm. I find that to be very disturbing. Um, then there's like a, a certain level of, like you said, one foot in, one foot outness. That mm-hmm. I'm like, if I see that, then I'm like. So one thing that I don't do is that I don't often take that step that you mentioned to say, listen, this is the issue that I'm seeing. How do you feel about that? I'm more so like, this is the shit that I'm seeing, so it's not going to work. Have a great life. <laughs> Block. Um, but that's not realistic. I know. And this is what, I, I, yeah, I think like sometimes. So I am going to be writing a book. Uh, well, I already started. And it's yes. called Dating for Us uh, When the Stars Are Not Aligning. Uh, because of that person who told me when the stars align. <laughs> so it's like, a kudos to you. Thank How you. Right. Thank book you title. for the fucking title. Um, I'm about to make millions off of it. You need to, oh, to give like steps and stuff of A, how to understand and know yourself mm-hmm. uh, and B, how to actually date. And when do you know that you're actually ready to date? A lot of people are not ready to date. They're ready for a therapist, uh, but not me. Um, I don't want to be your therapist. I cannot be both. Yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to find no, love. Not, can't afford me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but people are not ready for that. They're looking for something to give them a little 
pass the time or to mask or put a Band-Aid over their their emotional traumas that we all deal with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, uh, Donovan, when you're talking about, you know, we're all dealing and fighting this battle. That battle is, is trauma cultural trauma what does it mean to have these identities we're dealing with racial trauma we're dealing with sexuality traumas we're dealing with gender traumas of how we express all that stuff yeah. and when you put them all together that intersection uh, uh, two people come together different things are going to trigger us mm-hmm. and we're yeah. responding to what has happened to us in our past and we just blame that person oh you know, I don't like that because you're really short with me. Uh, but it's actually triggering things from our own past, but we're just not quite aware just yet mm-hmm. uh, to express that to you. So what happens is we create this this toxic behavior um, that seeps out. Yeah, and you can grow through your... Exactly. You can grow through toxic behaviors. We all have toxic behaviors. Um, but you have to be aware of that first. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are not aware that we're actually the toxic people that everybody wants to cut off when the new year comes. Um, you know, everybody's... <laughs> like, I'm going to drop this bitch like a bad habit <laughs> yeah. um, they over there like me too I can't right. <laughs> okay yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. actually you need to drop yourself uh, and be reflective and think about you know hey these are the issues that I'm bringing in that are actually toxic but a lot of people don't even want to do that because they still want to post and, and pretend like everything is fine. And I think that if you are black or a person of color, you need to be in therapy because uh, we're dealing with a lot of things that it's just beyond our control. Right. That we literally don't have the power. Right. A um, lot of shit you don't even know of, too. Yes. You're not mm-hmm. even aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and it takes a lot of insight. So that's why I'm journaling. That's why I'm cleaning up my diet. That's why I'm exercising because I know that all that impacts on mental health that makes you a better partner for somebody else. But unfortunately, in my so dating true. experience, I am a, a stronger, emotional, stable person, and I'm meeting lots of people who are not emotionally stable or available. They don't have room for me to just exist and be. Um, right. and, and when you don't have enough room for me, we become incompatible. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to tell people all the time, you know, I don't compromise in relationships. And people squint them and like, oh, my gosh, you don't compromise? No. Uh, compromising is is lessening yourself. Um, it is taking yourself from a whole to fitting other pieces of somebody else into that space. Um, I want you to be a whole and mm-hmm. I'm going to be a whole. Two people put to be holes are compatible, um, not compromising. Um, so I think we have to be mindful of are you compromising or are you compatible? Um, and those things look totally different. So what does that look well, like if I you was say just that about you to, are yeah, I was more, <laughs> more comparable? What does negotiation look like and sound like? And what is the correct language that you would say? So like, yeah. if I'm looking about like compatibility, you know, if I know it, I'm, a, I'm a structured person, I, I don't do well if you just say, oh, I'm over at your house right now and let's just do dinner right right now. That is not going to work well for me because <laughs> mm-hmm. I just don't respond that well. So I would say, listen, I need some ahead advance because mentally uh, I need to process, okay, I need to travel. I need to do this work mm-hmm. that now that I have to push off later on. Um, so you just can't do that to me. I might have left some dishes um, in the sink that I don't want you to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this is some other things. So we have to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind you being spontaneous, but if you say, hey, you know, I'm going to come on Saturday morning, just free up your schedule. That lets me know, okay, I don't have to change my, my direction or my life, but now I just have to uh, understand that, you know, they like more, more spontaneous things. And how can we meet in the middle and talk and communicate to see how we're actually compatible? You know, some people are dating uh, traumas and not really dating the people. A lot of us have unprocessed traumas that we're walking around with and you don't need a boyfriend, you need a therapist. 
Um, you know, there's lots of things that you need to unpack first that you're literally not aware of, mm -hmm. which is why therapy is so powerful because it brings out things that you're not aware of and also mm -hmm. provide you with tools to deal with those moments where you're feeling triggered or prompted. Have you? That's a clip. It? Yeah, that is. That show is. <laughs> have <laughs> have uh, this might sound stupid, but have you been to therapy? Yeah, I've yeah. been in therapy when I was in Ohio, when I was here in New York um, for different topics or issues. I think is we should be in therapy when we have new transitions uh, for everyday problems. Right. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people think about therapy got to be so serious and you got to struggle with deep, dark depression mm -hmm. or strong anxiety. Sometimes you just need space to just say, let me just tell you how challenging it is to get from, you know, Harlem down to Brooklyn. Right. That was a whole trip and <laughs> change and change and, mm -hmm. and different slights and experiences that people have. Um, you just need space. What if you have space where it is your brave space to just exist, to just be? Um, I love going through therapy when I don't have to be Dr. Vance, when I can be yeah. just regular old Vance from South Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, where I can just say, you know what? People are just getting on my nerves today, and I just want space to just talk about that. Let mm -hmm. me just process why I feel so frustrated with dating with this person in front of you, instead of them telling me what I should or need to be doing, but just giving me room to just exist. We don't have a lot of space where we can just exist and just be in the moment. We're constantly being bombarded by social media, what we should be doing or what life should be like. We uh, have work demands of what our financial status and stressors are gonna be. Mm -hmm. But what if you have space where you can just be? Yeah. Right. Do you ever resent any of the isms or any of the things that come along with dating? Like, mm -hmm. do you ever feel like, Fuck dating. Like, I don't want to do this shit anymore because these things keep throwing themselves at me or that or you're just feeling a little bit jaded because of these very specific things. Or feel like I don't want to tell anybody my sign ever again. Like, yeah. do you ever feel that way? I think you get emotionally tired. So there are moments where I get emotionally tired. So I've been in New York now for a little over a year and I've been on lots of dates. I can go on a date twice you or three times date. a week. Yeah. A date to house but it's the first date. And that's pretty much mm -hmm. it. And it ends. And then I'm on to the next one. And, and the these, number I'm adding. Are these typically in person? Online? Oh, yeah, I go in person. No, but like the dates when you like first meet people, are they? No, these are, 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 in, are in apps. Okay. Um, apps or social media. <clears throat> mainly because, you know, my schedule is so packed and I'm honestly going. And I think that's the benefits of having apps. Uh, they're really helpful to schedule, coordinate something. And then I meet up with the person and I'm like, oh, let's just go to the museum or let's go do dinner. Or, let's go do drinks. And you're just talking. And um, sometimes they're really great. Um, I've been on lots of great dates. But I also know that they're not the one for me. And I'm saying, hmm. you know, you're great and you literally have nothing is wrong with you. I just don't think we're, we're not compatible. Um, I don't feel that that spark or that thing that's going to take us long distance. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to waste your time. And I think now, like, it's okay to be, you know, associates because I don't even want to be your friend because that takes some more energy out of me to be friends. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, we can be friends. You don't really mean no. that. You just saved that to protect somebody else's Because you're feelings. not going to hang me randomly. No. Just showing up at your, at your apartment trying to come over to touch your private parts because people do that too. <laughs> I want to be your friend. <laughs> right. You do. You really want to be my friend? Yeah, I want to be your friend. Yes. <laughs> and I, I don't want to be friends. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, have a great life, and it's great. I think I really, truly appreciated that moment because um, it gave me a chance mm -hmm. to learn about myself. Yeah. 
But sometimes I get tired of that. Mm-hmm. It, it is tiring to go on lots of these dates. I want my own person so I can stay at home, watch my Netflix, and mind my business. <laughs> right. That's what I want to do. I want to live my black life, drink my water, and watch Netflix and, and chill by, with that person. Yeah. Um, and and one of my goals is to find a compatible partner for me because I want to kind of show people strategies or ways to have a healthy relationship. A lot of people are jumping to relationships just because they're bored or they're cold outside. Uh, and it's like, yeah. Literally hashtags for that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like you don't need a, a partner because you're bored. Oh right. my God, um, we have to ask you, so what is your opinion on that? Like you wanna go, okay, so we talked about it last time about hot boy, hot girl summer, thought em, hot boy fall, whatever fuck it was. Boy fuck, fall. Boy, f- fuck boy fall. How do you feel about like the cultural impacts of like these hashtags? We're making excuses. Um, you're making an excuse because you want to have, uh, you mm-hmm. know, to say, oh, I'm thotting and bopping out in these streets. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's, it's thotting. So that's what you're supposed to do. No, that's who you are. And it's okay if you want to be a thot and be out here in these streets. Just say, hey, I enjoy having sex all the time. Mm-hmm. That is that is fine. That's okay. You don't have to blame Megan Thee Stallion because you want to have a hot girl summer mm-hmm. um, or a hot boy summer or a hot person summer. Um, you know, just go out there and just be in these streets and, and, just don't involve me, but, you know, just have a great time. Um, and we endorse that. Like, yeah, live your best life and go out here in these streets and, and forget all these people. And, and we reinforce that again, the culture. We reinforce that. Um, sometimes people are not even aware that actually you don't want thotum. You want a partner, a lover. You just don't ha- want to say that because that is, again, vulnerability mm-hmm. and we're not ready to be vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i think like we spend so much time trying not to be vulnerable that you wind up 40 bald mm-hmm. uh you know you may have a good job yeah. you may still have held on to like some of your good looks but you don't really have the anything to to show for it and mm-hmm. when i say anything i mean like anything substantial that can that can speak to your future mm-hmm. not 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 your pension but mm-hmm. more so like family is yeah. there a, is there a sense of this and i've mentioned on this podcast before going to a panel discussion and this guy it was it was a dating panel and this guy he looked like he was maybe in his like mid 40s and he was t- telling us that he lived at a nursing home i'm sorry he worked at a nursing home and a lot of the clients at that nursing home were older gay men and they didn't have family. They didn't have friends. Unfortunately, a lot of those people were impacted by a time when there were there was there was not medication for folks living with HIV. So a lot of people died. But at the same time, they never had or formed real relationships that said, I'm going to get married or I'm going to have a long term relationship. And they kind of like did that for as long as they could before it was like, ain't nobody checking for them no more. Mm-hmm. And now they wound up with a life and he, a life that did not have anybody in it romantically. And he said, I don't want, he's like, I don't want that for myself. And I'm realizing at this age and it really struck me because even to this day, it's been like maybe three or four years since that panel. And I still remember it like fresh and hot off the presses because I think for a lot of us who have been inundated with this culture that says that just simply getting on an app is a way to just you know take up your time and you'll be able to find the right person which we know does not necessarily prove itself to work um but we indulge in the superficiality of it and we compromise the depth of the depths of relationships that we should have because it's easier it's more convenient a lot of the words the buzzwords that they use when they're marketing these apps which are true but it does create a culture that's more acceptable of that than developing real relationships. Mm-hmm. And we live in this world of dichotomy. Again, is I want to date after my career gets jumping or yes. after grad school or after I move by myself or whatever. Because yes. um, people used to tell me that 
all the time when I was in grad school is you're not ready for a relationship because you're in school. And I would tell people, this is literally my reality right now. And I'm on a date now and I'm not going to be done with grad school until another six years. Um, <laughs> right. And so I think people forget that you could also be a student and date. You can also be an early career professional and date. You can literally do multiple things at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Like the same way that you can care about multiple social political topics and issues in the country. At the exact same time, you can literally do the same thing yeah. with your love life. But in our mind, we put them in two separate categories. Yeah. And so what happens to a lot of generation, all of a sudden you wake up and now you're in your mid 40s and like, oh, no. Like I should have started dating earlier. I'm doing um, any of this. Yes, and yeah. and then now you have this other culture that we don't talk about about ageism and how you know yeah. we tend to outcast folks who are are over you know out their thirties now and and saying that you're not good enough for love or anything like that or we're not checking for you mm-hmm. or then you have this other subculture where we're like oh that's the people that we want because they are more stable financially and, mm-hmm. um, and it's like well duh they're forty five like what do you, what do you mean like yeah. that's what they've been doing for the last it wasn't trying to create love a relationship and so then, they gotta have the and point. then no shade then a lot of people who are 45 are set in their ways and they they're they're settled in their dysfunction and shit mm. too and they're missing each other as well yeah i think that like in many many areas we have been failed by the lack of examples unfortunately that's not anyone's fault mm-hmm. it just is the way that it is no your persecution is persecution you know so for a lot of reasons people have held back on their what they would call privacy in order to stay safe in order to maintain the relationships that they value in their lives. And, you know, we can't necessarily necessarily fault people for that. But I think that in the way that you just mentioned that we need to see more examples of that. I know for Mm -hmm. me, like from a creative standpoint, I want to create films that that depict various types of relationships and various types of perspectives for mm. queer people and people who do aspire to be in relationships and have healthy relationships. And that's okay if you want to be in relationships. I think sometimes we shame people and we're like, oh, why are you worried about relationships? You know, it's supposed to just come when it's ready. And if somebody tells me that one more time, I'm going to scream. Like everybody keeps telling me, oh, the time will come when it happens or just stop worrying about relationship. It will come. And I was like, well, you apply for that job, right? You, you put that resume together, right? You were it's intentional. Mm-hmm. So I want to be intentional and find love mm-hmm. um, I had this idea for many many years since the beginning of grad school where me and my future bay I want to do cabin trips uh, not those type of cabin trips where <laughs> <laughs> you get together with other couples and just talk about real things that couples do mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a variety of different types of couples because people have similarities and like morals and values of how relationships work. And you work. can learn from everyone. Yes, yeah. and talk about real things and that relationships are going to go up mm-hmm. and down and it's not always going to be peachy like mm-hmm. you like to post on social media, but let's work together and see each other as, you know, mm-hmm. black or people of color, queer people and just exchange it and connect. Talk through yeah. some stuff. And that's how you address the loneliness issues yeah. and that's yeah. how you address and learn and grow in relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationships is the developmental process mm-hmm. that you're going to change and grow and and i want to provide spaces for for at least specifically for black and queer couples to see each other to say yeah you know my partner gets on my nerves as well mm-hmm. um but this is how we grow through that when we argue i love that and yeah. facilitate the community things. in there too and, and the, uh, utilizing my background and like yeah that's yeah, awesome absolutely i know we should probably partner on something because something well i'm missing a partner so like, yeah i'm gonna say when i get a boo when, <laughs> I mean, where, where when i find him no, where that's really important for us because yeah. we've had had i mean even outside of like the partnership in terms of like you know relationships 
you know, we definitely want to have more conversations simply just about like what is what does it mean to actually be in the dating process? There there are so many things that are going on that we don't have open forum conversations. How to about. fight fair? How to fight fair? How exactly? Because that's a major thing. Because we don't, especially when you're thinking about a room full of trauma. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like who can say the worst thing the first and mm-hmm. get out the room the first. Yeah. You know, and that's what it comes down to. But what does it take to be vulnerable? What does that look like when there are no examples? So to create educational experiences that hit lots of different areas. And how do you express love? Yeah. You know, everybody has about the five love languages, but do you really know how that looks like in the real world? Uh, it comes out how the way we communicate. So you cut people off. Not because, you know, you didn't hear from them from a week. It's because they didn't express the words of affirmation that you need, how you receive love. You know, relationships is all about how to get the other person to love you the way that you need to be loved, not how you think that they need to be loved. And we haven't really mastered that because we haven't really talked about it. We really haven't really don't even have those words. Again, our uh, communication is underdeveloped to express that this is how I need to be loved. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have a this is kind of like one of the my like final questions for you um and it has you can go down two roads you can choose one or you can go down both (coughs) but what do you think that the future of the black gay culture looks like if we continue down the direction that we're going down now let's taking into consideration you know basically a lot of the things that we can take into consideration to answer that question like apps like you know being being you know people who tend to wait to make sure that we get to a certain place before we date or people who aspire to have a certain social status and things like that versus what do you think are the changes that we should make in order to have a reality that will have a a culture for us that will preserve the idea of culture that you know speaks well to black gayness mm-hmm. you know what i mean if that i hope i, yeah. I hope i didn't frame that too long i, I, too I would crazy. do my my best i i think i think we're going to move to a place where we're going to begin being more authentic uh i think when we start first started with all the social media stuff we, we got so fixated or in you know the filters and having you know viagra, uh, videos that are like really high production and um i think that people are not going to respond to that in the next five years or even the next two years i think people are going to start paying more attention to more authentic raw footage of regular videos um, and that's going to help us start and be seen who can be the most real it's going to be a new trend unfortunately of who can give you the most like authentic self but that's what's going to i think sell in the future is how well can you be authentic? You know, how could I make my life look as normal as possible mm-hmm. instead of just glitz and glamour? Um, mm-hmm. And yes, it's still a gimmick and a trend, but I do think that it's going to move towards that direction, which could be possibly healthy for us. Uh, but then on the other side, I think some of the problems of coming with being your authentic self is people are going to try to create this persona of what is authentic, uh, which is we're back in that cycle again of yeah. creating this life that's not truly us. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Brother, do you have any more questions? Um, I think you kind of touched upon it, but I, I want to kind of know more about like what dating like a therapist is like, like just in general, like what's like the biggest commonality you found between just black gay men in general. Mm. And, Ooh, and then I have one more. Yeah. I think one is, is, you know, for me is communication and not knowing what people actually really want. People don't really know what they want. Uh, and I think it's really fascinating because they know what they want, but they don't know how to communicate that to me. Um, a lot of things, a lot of people that people 
have issues with is, you know, stability, how to give emotional availability. People are in a space where it's, it's really jaded. And it's like, well, if you're not willing to do this, I'm cutting you off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you need to unpack that more, not with me, but with your therapist. <laughs> I love how you be uh, like, oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not your therapist. I, I, <laughs> yeah, because unfortunately people are, are telling me and dating me, they're like, oh, I don't want you to be my therapist. Yet they expect but, me to act and, and perform as a therapist. Or be around, even be around. Like, I don't yes. have to be around. And I don't want to do that for you. And be accessible to you. Um, oh, I don't right. mind coaching you and directing you to some good therapist, but mm-hmm. not me. Um, right, I don't right. want you to lean on me and say, you know, why aren't resource, you helping right. me or being more patient with me about my emotions? And I don't have to do that. That is boundaries. I have boundaries about if you're not really emotionally available or stable, I don't need you because mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to be a good partner for me. You're not compatible for me because what happens when I fall in my funk and I'm sad or I'm depressed? Mm-hmm. Who do I call on? Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be my partner. Partnership is a, a space or a agreement between people where they can lean on each other. And if you're not emotionally available for me either, then what is the purpose of you? Mm-hmm. I can do bad on my, <laughs> my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's one issue. So emotional availability, stability, um, direction, knowing what they want, um, and, and then also how to communicate that to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to jump in. Like, this is going to... But <laughs> we talked about a lot of really, really cool things. We talked about therapy and the, and the importance of, like, you know, mental health. And obviously, we, we do know that there's a societal type of impact that's, that's had on gay black men in particular because we're supposed to be this or that or this or that both outside and inside the community. Now, what do you think is kind of like impacting the agenda of people to kind of normalize the open relationshipness of that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a couple of weeks, we're doing a conversation on the metaphysics of sex with the grapevine. So two parts so one what do you think about like the open relationship thing and then the final aspect is is that a lot of times we have conversations with queer folk and it's very 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 heavy on sex Mm -hmm. and that's why like even for this podcast it's like we want to talk about like a lot of other things spirituality being one of the biggest things what do you think in terms of being a psychologist is the spiritual realm that you get to play with? Do you believe in that? Um, do you deploy that out into in terms of advice for your clients? And then how do you see that in, in the dating space? So that's a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, you, trying to figure out you where to questions. start. <laughs> I know. Just feel, um, just, just feel to dip and dip. Yeah, and dip it should be a Give a little taste. So my ideas about open relationship, I didn't really realize I wasn't really aware of open relationships until I moved here to New York. Um, that's when I started hearing more conversations about open relationships. And I even shifted how I started asking questions. I would say, like, are you like single, single or like kind of single? And and surprisingly, people know what that what I mean by that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, like I am like single, single, meaning that I don't I'm not in a relationship or anything like that. And I'm like, wow, like that's a normal question that I'm now asking more frequently. Me um, too. And even on, you know, dating apps, I'm seeing, you know, couples and which is fine. And, and I think it's great for people to explore sexuality and, and define relationships. Um, and also, I don't want an open relationship for me and, and, and this black life of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'm noticing that there's a lot of shame of people who value or want monogamy. And I would hear on dating apps, you know, 
you know that doesn't exist anymore or that's not realistic and we are all men and and I'm like that's fine and also you know this is what I I want and, mm-hmm. and this is how I function you know open relationships is probably one of the most you know Google item out there now um, open relationship and polyamorous yeah. and, and non-monogamous relationships you know a lot of the research will show that it's higher in LGB population they will show that uh, that it's much higher than heterosexual counterparts you'll notice that polyamorous relationships are more prevalent in white communities um, white LGB populations uh, usually it's more common in higher uh, class education level folks people who have some experience with college middle class folks um, and that is fine that, that means something though um, it means that people are not afraid to express that but it takes a level of communication to be in open relationships and I don't I think people kind of mm-hmm. forget about that piece because there's lots of people who are my DMs who are in relationships and their partners don't know that they're in open relationship yeah. and that has nothing to do with me that has to do with your communication style and issues the research really supports that people who are in committed and open relationships who communicate that to mm-hmm. each other have a happier uh, right. relationship life right. uh, they also have higher uh, safe sex practices with those people compared to people who cheat in open relationships or who don't know that they're in open relationships. Meaning yeah. that people who don't really know that they're in an open relationship. I wish I would find out I didn't know I was in an open relationship. <laughs> Bitch. But that's, uh-huh. really, that's really common. I, that's what I'm saying. But people who Lorena are truly really in the open relationships and who have great communication skills, they have rules and they put boundaries. But in. see, and that's when, like, even though you said, you know, that's not your problem, like, we say this all the time, it kind of becomes our problem because we are trying to navigate dating spaces that yes, were made for single absolutely. people. And absolutely. now you have people who are being dishonest cheating in open relationships and now you know already diluting a pool that's already fucked up and in, mm-hmm. in, in so many different ways and it, it doesn't seem fair it's like how do people like me find spaces knowing that what is it 60 percent of people find love relationships, relationships online like how do i do that when it is now i'm dodging you know people in open relationships and all these other different things it's like it it becomes like it is it does become my problem i I have direct conversations and say you know what is your what are your thoughts about monogamy both physical and emotional right we forget about the emotional piece Mm -hmm. we we think well i didn't cheat or mess around with everybody but you have a full-fledged emotional your your mind is somewhere somewhere all the way over there yeah and i don't like that either I, i i can't partake in that um, because I, that goes to the spirituality part. You know, I think relationships is really a spiritual connection um, of energy. People want to call it energy. You can call it vibes. You can call it whatever it is. But it is an energy Frequency. exchange uh, of, of people. That's why when you walk in a room and you meet somebody, it's like, oh, no, this is not it. That's you the energy, it. the you spiritual it, right? that you're connecting yeah. with somebody else. And if you're in open relationships and you're not really connected to that spaces, you're just exchanging a whole bunch of energy. And, and, and then all of a sudden you wonder why you're so upset and angry internalizing things and and that has nothing to do with with you know the open relationshipness it's the spirituality pieces of that and it's it's fine if that's what you decide and choose to to do um and it is there's you know spirituality and openness relationships people have been in open relationships for literally years it's literally not new mm-hmm. we're just now talking about it now because we're in this space of let's actually talk about sexuality and let's talk about what does it look like for people and that's great i really do think it's great mm-hmm. um i just think we have to be more proactive and be direct with people and saying this is what i want and this is what i don't mm-hmm. want and this is what i can't accept that is creating boundaries mm-hmm. boundaries creating boundaries is an act of self-care and you have to start taking care of yourself mm-hmm. through 
curating boundaries. And I, I think it's still, it's still kind of continuously leads to vulnerability because when you do that, when you set standards, when you tell people who you are and lay it out on the table, you risk the fact that they don't want that. And walk yeah. away from you. And I think that's where we kind of... Rejection. Keep, that's where we keep hitting the wall because we don't want to... We don't even want to have those awkward conversations. So that's why we don't tell people our statuses. That's why mm-hmm. we withhold certain informations and we don't do these things because it's like vulnerability. So I love the yeah. fact that it just it keeps leading there because that, you know, with vulnerability, I think again comes, you know, self-accountability. So with those two things, you have to be self-accountable for your vulnerability mm-hmm. to be able to be like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. Which is why people stay so surface level. So as a therapist, most people interact with me, want to talk to me about uh, my career and to sit there and talk about that all day which I get bored with that and then people want to talk about how I look or sexuality or you know oh I'm really horny right now I'm like well that's great but you know tell me about your family <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask you so what do you look for you know being I feel like I feel like you have like a more critical eye so I would feel I would think that it would be just natural for you to think things a certain type of way so like what do you look for outside of like the therapy stuff and all the words like what do you really look for in people where you can be like okay i can see myself rocking with you for a little bit or exploring something further Mm -hmm. i'm looking at your communication style how you talk to me are you telling me what to do or are you trying to collaborate with me when i think about partnership i really think about long term because that's what i'm looking for on my app Uh, I am looking for romance. I am looking for somebody who I can grow with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody who, I don't expect you to have it all together because I don't have it all together. I take a more developmental approach. I'm looking for emotional stability and vulnerability. Are you willing to be vulnerable with me? You know, I know that you're not a perfect person because I'm not a perfect person either. And I'm not afraid to show you some of the areas that I need to work on and grow on. Mm -hmm. I'm a stubborn person and, and I know that's my stuff. Uh, I like things my way. I like structure. And I know that has literally nothing to do with you. Let me communicate this to you about how it looks like in everyday life. It looks like, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I am looking for somebody who likes to have fun and not take life so serious. People are so stuck up and so stuck in their ways and that the life is, is just so serious. And that's not what life is all about. You know, relationships is not supposed to be this feelings where you have instant butterflies and it's supposed to be so happy and i actually love dating not to cut you off because we talk about relationships and dating a lot and you know whether it's online whether you meet in person i hear we hear stories of uh, it just whatever but are you supposed to feel a spark like is there supposed to be like oh i know this is the one because i've heard people say that and i'm just like Mm -hmm. i've been dating a lot and it's like i like people i've liked people more than i've liked others but i don't know if i was feeling tingles and sparks and fire and burning and well i think actually you're not really supposed to be butterflies or it's actually a bad sign that's really anxiety and you shouldn't be anxious when you're like meeting people like that you can have anxious about the date or how things go but to feel anxious around a person all the time and feeling so-called butterflies that's not good because that means you're not going to bring your authentic self. That baby you're is bring crying in the background. Sorry, a yeah. version of yourself. That's the future baby. That's the future <laughs> She's baby. She's upset. Stars, She's yeah. like, why? It's not going to work. Why? And, and that's how my dating life sounds like, crying. <laughs> <Yes>. just, just <laughs> we get it, girl. We get it. We I hear mean, you. 
Yeah. But dating is supposed to be, uh, it's a process. And a lot of us don't want to go through that process. Mm-hmm. It is pulling back the layers. So the first layer is what you want the world to see. Yes. And then under that other layer is what you want me to see and how you want me to perceive you. And then under that layer is who you truly are um, at the core. And, yeah. and that's the part that I'm more interested in. I love having somebody after the honeymoon phase where you see them with the crest in their eye where you hear it you see them how they really are, are negative or maybe not as optimistic as they appear on social media right where you see them just they don't feel like they have, they're unmotivated or you know the, the so-called bad things because that is what being human is right. and yeah. i think can i be compatible to their funk mm-hmm. when i'm in my funk right. um and and that's the real person that i want to see but it's hard uh, I struggle with it too. I want people to move how I want them to move. That's my thing, my dating anxiety. You know, we can also have anxiety about dating. Why mm-hmm. they aren't talking to me enough, or why don't I hear them enough, or why don't they tell me that they like me like that? That's anxiety mm-hmm. um, that you have to check and grow through. Yeah. So okay. So my last question for real. We keep um, bouncing. Oh, I have another question. I, I know because question. now, because you know, now we gonna see the moon come. Like, I want to know. I want to know the tea. <laughs> right. As he takes a sip. Uh, um, so if you are, so for me, I'll say for me, if I can tell that it's not going to work, I'm more so like, well, we don't need to waste each other's time. Mm-hmm. However, I do feel like it takes a while, like in, in the term, in, term, in, in terms of what you mentioned about it taking a while to peel back the layers in the very kind of like microwave social media society we have, we we see a quick turnover. You get a quick swipe right, and you bring, and then you talk to each other, and you guys ask all these cool questions, and you look at all of their Instagram photos, and you see all of the abs, and it's very very exciting, and then it tapers off very very quickly because mm-hmm. it didn't move fast enough to what you were saying. Do you think that on the flip side, you know, in being too open, can be an issue in, ter- mm-hmm. in terms? That means of you like, don't have any boundaries. That means you're oversharing. That means that there's some things that you you, you attach. So it's attachment issues. A lot of people are dealing with attachment issues, yeah. uh, which is insecure attachments. There's a, a great book um, that I'm not going to promote because they're not going to pay you off for it. But there's a book that talks about attachment mm-hmm. uh, that I read and I, I examine people as well. It's like, are you secure in your attachment? Are you anxious in your attachment? Are you yeah. avoidant in your attachment? A lot of times we're in relationship with people who are anxious people who are avoided in relationships. Um, and that really matters about how we interact with each other. Yeah. When I meet somebody and they're trying to tell me their whole life story in the first five, 10 minutes, you're not the right person for me. Mm-hmm. That means you're really anxious and you're trying to get me to like you or make me feel connected to you. That's not mm-hmm. that's not the move. I used to be that person. Then you meet those people who are just avoidant, who really just, you know, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, we're like, oh, we love them. They're so beautiful. They're so fine. Um, but they're not really emotionally there for you. They're mm-hmm. avoidant type of personality attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, those are problematic as well. Then you have people who are very secure, who... You know, for me, if you don't text me the next hour or two, I'm like, hmm, maybe you're just busy. Uh, it doesn't really bother me that much. Now, if you go a couple of days, I'm like, you know, first of all, uh, you know, there's issues there. But I'm more secure in my attachment style where I don't panic if you don't text me back right then and there because I am that secure in myself. And some people are like, how do you know this all about yourself? A, therapy, and B, mm-hmm. reading, and C, journaling. Right. Like, we have all the powers and stuff within ourselves. We literally decide not to do it mm-hmm. yeah. um, or not even aware that we have the issues. And I think even so, like, even, even knowing that people are people and 
there's so many things that can be true like to the point mm-hmm. of the earlier conversation that i like that like you can't be worried about that mm-hmm. but we are now because everybody because then you go to social media you look at you know joe and sam and they're on a yacht partying together but then we forget that they actually have a lot of issues <laughs> and, Hell yeah. and yeah their bodies are fine and they're on this app but they are arguing they have domestic violence a lot of interpersonal uh, domestic violence are really high in lgbt population mm-hmm. the high domestic violence of physical emotional abuse verbal abuse and we think that is actually normal it's a whole another show that we can get into but there's lots of issues that people are having that they're not even aware of that people are being wow. manipulative that's emotional abuse and you don't even realize that you're dealing with the abuse and then what happens y'all break up and then you go to the next relationship still scarred Here's from my that abuse. relationship Here you go. yes and then you expect me to respond and make sure that I am responding to you the way that you think that you need to be but you're actually responding off of your trauma and you're yeah. bringing that into the relationship yeah for sure for sure I would say like for me in dating one thing that I do or that I've examined especially like maybe over the last year is that and I think I actually mentioned on a, the last couple of episodes but I if I see like certain things that I've seen in the past mm-hmm. that I just know our symptoms of you're not ready or blah, 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 blah. I'm very, very fast to like, nope, don't want to talk mm-hmm. to you anymore. I'm just going to block you right now. See ya. See ya. Because I don't, like for me, it's more so like I just, I see it and I just don't want to deal with it. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that that's always been, I, t- I try to look at the things that I do to assess my behavior because I know that I ought, I very, I can course correct. That's mm-hmm. how I can be. And sometimes you, I overcorrect. But I think things could be coexisting as well. So when yeah. I first moved to New York, nobody would give me a chance because they said, oh, no, you're new to New York. You need to make sure you have your whole face first. And I was like, but that's not who I am. And it's like, oh, no, no, you, you, you only have, been here for like three, four I've weeks. Heard, I've actually heard that, too. When mm-hmm. I it's, a, it's a cultural thing that, mm-hmm. you know, at least here in New York is everybody won't touch you if you're just brand new. Uh, because it's this idea that you're going to get distracted. You're going to get turned out one um, way or another. And I'm not going to yes. be your experiment. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, sometimes I think that's kind of unfair. Um, and also, I can see there are lots of people who come to New York and they're like, oh, everybody's here is fine. I'm like, yeah, they're also trash. Um, but they just don't know it just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of Lawrences out, out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, that's kind of where I've arrived. A part of me is like, you know, I've uh, seen this type of behavior, but I'm going to remain open. Mm-hmm. And we were just literally talking about be this cautious. this morning. It's okay to be cautious. Yeah. Because by nature, I'm quite, I'm quite open. I'm quite vulnerable. There are things that I think that are very, very shameful. It, they're very shameful things to people outside of me. But for me, I love myself. So that's the T and that's what it is. There's no shame. Um, for That's my journey. I don't necessarily feel that that should be everyone else's journey, but it does very much impact my dating life because I see that I'm open with certain things and other people aren't. And I don't want to rush anybody to anything, but I don't necessarily want to stick around for three months while you decide to be honest about who you really are. Yeah, those kind of that. things, too long. Th- those kind of things I can't, you can I kind of tell do. where the direction of the relationship is growing after a month, depending on your communication style. Usually in my experience with the LGBT folks, we can find out, you know, if you're really compatible in a week. We can be like, mm, this is not it, or this is kind of it. Let me give it like a couple more weeks to figure out if this is the right person. But dating for like six months, like, no, that's so. I have a qu- I have a question. I mean, I know we're gonna we're gonna be talking into the third hour, <laughs> but you know, we we there's a joke because to the what you're about to what you were saying. There's a joke about like 
gay years and being do you is it like a thing that we process relationships faster or i think we get we could become more intimate faster uh which i actually see it as a positive thing that it's okay to get to know somebody really intimately uh asking the hard questions experiencing those things because when you're a part of an oppressed group there's already a level of connection that brings us together mm-hmm. um that other groups that don't have to deal with or even think about um that's a level of vulnerability of being oppressed and sometimes we don't say it out loud but we're still connecting on that type of level of oh like i think most people forget that at least with black queer men we are, we're thinking about outness level that we just don't think about we're thinking about masculinity and femininity we're thinking about sexual positions we're thinking about oppression we're thinking about finances we're thinking about uh sexual status we're thinking about geographic locations all at the same time in one day yep. those are all playing out at the exact same time and mm-hmm. then we have to figure out if this is going to be compatible or not and then when it doesn't we get upset because something about our identity or how we express ourselves didn't match that person. Yeah. And then you got to start mm-hmm. all over again with the next person. Yeah. So that's why we ask those questions so fast to try to say, is it my even worth the even mm-hmm. going out on a date? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's important. Uh, I, one thing that I've learned over the last, I would just say year, I, I decided that I would be the one to ask the awkward questions and have the awkward moments because, you know, you find it a lot of times that, you find a lot of men still aren't comfortable with having certain conversations or bringing it up or initiating things. And we talk about this. If I want to have the experience that I want to have, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have to do something. So it's like, Hey, this is what's up. I'm going to be the one here. Here's all my stuff. What, what you got? Yeah. Like, let's see. Cause I'm not, especially now creeping into like my mid thirties. It's like, I'm not, I don't want the same thing that I was doing in my twenties. And unfortunately we kind of still have to play by the same rules and date and have the same dating landscape that hasn't really changed for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's why one of the reasons why I've decided that apps weren't just for me because we already live in this like very hyper everything, like you said, microwave to the fast, you know, right now is that i don't want to skip any more steps like yeah. i want to at least get to some meet you know and but unfortunately mm-hmm. like in a city like new york we haven't really developed enough spaces where we can meet each other mm-hmm. outside of the clubbing or brunching yeah uh, and a lot of us we stay from my experience of looking at new york now everybody stays in their own little circle of friends and they have house parties and they don't invite nobody new because they don't want you to be in their little circle. So you can't meet people that way. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you don't want to go to the club because it's all awkward and everybody's just staring at you mm-hmm. and, and they'll slide in your DMs later on after you leave talking about they saw you. That shit is crazy. Um, no. Explained everything in like four sentences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, where else can you meet people now? Because there's yeah. not like, and even if you have an event that's saying, oh, this is a single event, I'm not going to go because I don't want to show you that I am so-called desperate to go to this event to show you or tell you that I'm single yeah. and I need some help in finding love and that's why so your point it's like i am done with not having the awkward moments because it's not until you have the awkward moments again until the time that i went out to the club by myself mm-hmm. because you know it's like it's literally growth is on the other side of that yeah. and you know if i say that i want things to change and i don't necessarily see it happening in front of me i have to at least Put that energy out there so mm-hmm. because i want to be able to filter through these motherfuckers a lot quicker yeah. regardless of what y'all doing you know and unfortunately again this is the the landscape but 
unless I decide to change something different. So that's mm-hmm. me asking the weird questions, having an awkward moment, being the first to put my shit on blast to let them know it's okay. We, we all got yeah. something. We have we joke all the time that you know everybody's a little crazy. So it just, shoot your shot. I tell people all the time, shoot your shot, slide in those DMs. It is fine. And people be like, oh, Vance, you're in everybody's DMs. I am. Why? Because I'm trying to find love my life right. and leave y'all black people alone and mind my business and drink my water. Literally. That is my goals. Yeah. I'm I'm going to shoot all my shots because eventually I'm going <laughs> to hit something. Right. This is a three point cover. It's just gonna be Shaq up in here, and I mean, like, and rejection isn't the worst thing to ever happen in life, right? Like, At all. I would definitely say, from a career perspective, from a dating perspective, I haven't seen rejection. Yeah. So it is what it is. But I think, like, you know, overall, in terms of just tackling loneliness and tackling like how you can get deeper into who you are as a as an individual, as a human, as a human, somebody who may be a part of the queer community, but somebody who has an identity, somebody who has a very specific type of expression or who wants to express their, you know, identity fully. It's about you know deciding to make that. I would call it a journey because it doesn't it never it never ends you're always unfolding you're always learning stuff about yourself but therapy is key and I'm really 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 excited that we had Dr. Vance on because oftentimes black folks we trivialize things because we have we're comfortable with pain Mm. and we can make we normalize pain we normalize pain and trauma we see it very often and we've learned to joke about it Mm -hmm. and we've learned to approach things in a superficial way because it's safer for us and i personally worry that our journeys forward will be a little bit more difficult if we don't decide to be purposeful about moving things out of our way, which is trauma, which is the idea that we don't have a future that extends beyond a collection of clothes or beyond a certain purchase, but more so goes into the spiritual aspect that goes mm-hmm. into the to the partnering aspect and what it what, how it matters, mm-hmm. you know, how your life unfolds with having somebody who can be there for you in the way that we see other groups succeed and move forward leveraging mm-hmm. partnerships and relationships well, as black folks, we have that. to go back to our values our african center values yeah. which is spirituality yeah. which is our intrinsic self-worth so what is our intrinsic worth before we was even born mm-hmm. our extended self-identity our ancestors the people around us our holistic self the people how we see the world um our self-knowledge how we understand ourselves. you know all knowledge begins with self yeah uh, if we absolutely. get back to those type of values non-materialistic uh, values that's going to bring us to our more whole and more right. stable self and where we came from yes. and what brought us to be here yes and thinking about where do we want to go mm-hmm. like what does the future of this look like sankofa be, mm-hmm. well listen because you know certain people like you know you think about like p-town or you think about like certain places in in in, in uh even miami or in california that are allocated or san francisco that are allocated for white queer people who mm-hmm. create communities that are very locked down and mm-hmm. doesn't is not necessarily very friendly to other kinds of people mm-hmm. and i think for us you know we're the first ones to say open to all races on our shit we're mm-hmm. very much we're sharers we're right. like please water this down however you can and i think like we need to start thinking about what this can really look like what titanic um, vibrations can two powerful gay men, powerful in self, powerful in ambition, powerful in passion, can create together, and how can that impact other lives? I think like that's a new vision. I think that's a new phenomenon. It's something that I think therapy can help us align 
um, where we don't necessarily find our values and all of these outside things are settling. How do we settle with social media? Mm -hmm. But how do we create a real, real, real life for ourselves that we can be proud of that whether you see that on social media or not, this shit is real as fuck mm -hmm. and, I, and it has tentacles. So when Gen Z, I'm sorry, when, yeah, when Gen Z and Gen Alpha come through, it's more so like, I'm glad that I was able to see those black couples. I'm glad that I was able to see what the future can look like outside of what we can find on my Vidster or Pornhub or whenever somebody decides to give us some black characters that are not caricatures of something that they've seen or not something that they've simply just given access to because we're not monolithic. So, I mean... I, I hope that, you know, for us at No Days Off, we'll continue these conversations. But I what I would really love to do is to do something collaborative with you. Yeah. And we can, you know, like continue these kinds of conversations that go more into these are the things that we're doing well. These are the things that we mm -hmm. should amplify. Yeah. These are the things that we're not doing so well. And maybe we can get some insight on how we can do better in those areas because it does matter. Mm. It really, really does matter. You know, aspiring to heteronormal, heteronormative um, relationships, um, black or otherwise, I don't think does us any justice. Right. I think we need to start creating and carving out these moments for ourselves. Or learning know? strategies of how to navigate those spaces. Yeah. What are the strategies for black queer men to navigate apps? What are the strategies to navigate dating? What is actually going on a date look like? Yeah. What did you actually talk about on dates? What is inappropriate to talk about on dates? We haven't learned those just yet because yeah. there was nobody there yet to say, oh, when you go on a date, these are the things that you should talk about to really get to know a person. These are some of the values and the morals. Why? Because I parents couldn't give us those tools absolutely uh, because not because they didn't want to uh just because they didn't know how to yeah. um you know my parents can't tell me how to navigate these spaces so you kind of just have to learn on your own and unfortunately we're learning from each other which a lot of us are dysfunctional so we're learning dysfunction <laughs> and we're bringing that into dating right. relationship yes those are actual 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 facts i agree mm -hmm. with that so much well I mean, you know, we could stay here forever and do this <laughs> yes, all day, okay? Yes. Because I, now that we're ending and I'm thinking of more questions, yeah. but I'm not going <laughs> to ask. I think that <laughs> we'll be a part two or something. Yes, I was about to say, we can definitely have a part two and have you back because I think that was very, very informative. And next time we'll just intro you as Vance. Yeah. And you can come through. We don't have to make it all doctory. Mm -hmm. But right. I think that that was a great fucking conversation. Yes, yes, it was awesome. Thank yes. you so much for being here. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, you know, we kind of... Um, been doing this for a little over a year now so we have like our no days off our mantra all that stuff but in your eyes and, and what does no days off mean to you no days off to me means that you shouldn't have no days off of being great um of striving towards your greatness so my personal mantra is all about being great um, that you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great mm -hmm. and to be great to start that you should have no days off yes, yes. i love that you better wow and what do we have to pay for this? <laughs> yes. pay and then really quickly one this. more we kind of access kind of sometimes to people what is something that you've learned either through all of your squiggles in, in school or through therapy yourself that you would kind of pass on to someone else your yeah. little your little you so to speak well, a lot of the tools of greatness or tools to help us move forward in life are really embedded in ourselves. Um, sometimes therapy and stuff will help reflect that back out to you. Mm -hmm. But as a therapist, I am not trying to tell you how to redo your life or anything. I'm literally just reflecting and helping you just unpack some of the bags that you've been carrying with yourself. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the tools that we have or know about ourselves 
literally are inside of us. And if we just have a little bit of belief that we can push through, um, not really push through, grow through, uh, then that is how you can get to the other side of your purpose, your meaning, your destiny. I love that. Mm -hmm. So if people want more of you, Dr. Vance, where do they go? How do they find you? You can find me or my professional ratchet Instagram at Vance Ology, V-A-N-C-E-O-L-O-G-Y, mm-hmm. the study of Vance Ology. <laughs> you want to live your best life? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to live my best life, and I'm really open and showcasing it, and I'm, I had nothing to hide. Or you can find me on uh, Twitter at, at Dr. D-R-T-V-A-N-C-E. I have 87 followers. Um, and I, hey. didn't, I, I actually didn't think Twitter was going to come back. Uh, I used to have it back in college, and I deleted it. And I was like, nobody can use Twitter. So I just recreated. People tweeting their asses off. Yeah. yeah. I, I've not one of mine. That's too much information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't I'm over here looking whole, for the tea. I'm like, ooh, Twitter. I can't believe we had a whole doctor on the show. This is incredible. This yes, was really, really amazing. Yes, yes. And I think that, you know, if anybody, are you, can people reach out to you directly if they want your services or? Well, kind of. So uh, I am going to be launching a private practice okay. uh, in the next few months. So stay tuned. Congratulations. Okay. Yes. I am going to be very intentional in marketing my myself for you know black and brown queer folks since that is my specialty yes. and all my training yes. but i'm not going to be doing it full time because mm-hmm. uh, it pulls a lot out of me um and so what i'm trying to do is start building my own collective of folks that i kind of vetted and trust to kind of help uh black and brown folks here in the community that i know so i have lots of friends who are therapists and and psychologists who live here in the city and so my goal is to try to team up and have us all be in one space and and make sure that we have access Mm -hmm. and that can be through social media whatever whatever but yeah so part of it is uh private practice i do a lot of consulting and i have a classmate here who and i were trying to develop an app uh, for mental health mm-hmm. to have it for strategies that look like us mm-hmm. that's for us um so it's like mental health for us yes dope well you guys heard it here first yeah okay. we gotta actually yeah. have you back because i have so many more questions <laughs> right <laughs> it's true i have so many more questions now and i'm like damn this is um, great yeah. this is so great. we'll definitely have you back yeah. uh, before the end of the season so guys you guys have to make sure you go check out mr and dr vance if you guys need any of those services or at least to keep in touch so you can have those right. services or be able to yeah. be contacted with somebody in his network or if my future lover is, is following on this there's no days off right. please they don't be, be afraid to you know, shoot your shot right. in those dms just kidding because yes. some people be too confident and i'm like Damn. And that's a part of it that's too. Okay, you know, it's give you know? and take. You know, not everybody's for everybody. Sometimes that is true. You, we do that. You know, sometimes we want, sometimes we don't want. And I mean, you know, sometimes the no days off mantra <laughs> applies to everybody. Yes, and you know what that is. <laughs> so take a little time to get to know yourself. Take no shits and take, take no days off. <laughs> Thank you again, Vance, for being here. You're amazing. Yes, it was we awesome. Appreciate you. Yes, until next time, you guys. Peace, Peace. out. Love you. No days off.